Good morning and welcome again to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington and the heart and soul of Sunday morning. I'm Rachel Wade Harper, your worship associate for this morning. We are Unitarian Universalists. We celebrate a historic faith with a radically progressive theology, which calls us, which calls us to love with open minds open hearts, and open hands. Our faith also reminds us that the spark of hope can never be extinguished. Though we are physically distant during this time, we can still join in community. We are gathered here, and we are glad. We welcome those who are joining us from all across Kentucky this morning, and those joining us from across our country. Whoever you are, whatever your race, age, creed, economic status, ability, disability, gender expression, or sexual orientation, wherever you are on your life journey, we welcome you. Our minister, the Reverend Brian Chenoweth, is on sabbatical for the month of October. Today, we are grateful and excited to welcome our guest minister, the Reverend Dr. Leah Shade, to share her wisdom with us. As we begin our service, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that our physical church was built, the Shawnee, Adena, and Hopewell. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to all indigenous peoples present with us today. I encourage you to find your chalice, whether it's a tea light, a small candle, or frankly, a candle app, whatever they might be, and join together with this common flame. As we kindle our flames, you are invited to write in the chat where you are lighting your chalice from this morning knowing that we are joined by those all across Kentucky and beyond. We light our chalice now, the symbol of our Unitarian Universalism. We light this chalice today in the spirit of deep listening. I now invite you into a time of meditation with a reading from Reverend, Reverend Rebecca Coppola. Guide us gently into appreciating and listening. Spirit of life, we know there are as many perspectives and experiences of living here in this space as there are people. Spirit of love, please guide us gently into appreciating and listening. Assist us to honor that in conversation we can see the gift of a collective. Show us how we can find understanding by learning to speak one another's languages so that we may hand in hand go deeper into our beliefs. Through a personal communal, 
and perpetual evolution. Breath of life. Give us the patience to live into this faith community. The curiosity to ask loving questions of each other and allow us to be always deepening our spiritual awareness of the worlds within and without. Inspiration that is this life. Please feel our profound gratitude for the comings and goings, beginnings and endings, through which we have been granted the opportunity to reflect with openness, both upon what is within our experience and that which is outside it. Her Om Shanti, Shalom, Peace. Reverend Dr. Leah D. Shade is the Assistant Professor of Preaching and Worship at Lexington Theological Seminary here in Lexington, Kentucky. She has been an ordained minister in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America for nearly 20 years. Her book, Preaching in the Purple Zone, Ministry in the Red-Blue Divide, explores how clergy and churches can address controversial social issues using nonpartisan, biblically-centered approaches and deliberate dialogue. Leah has been a featured speaker for the Festival of Homiletics, leads workshops and retreats, and keynotes events throughout the country. She received the Kentucky Council of Churches Award in 2019. Please welcome our guest minister, Reverend Leah Shade. Thank you for that introduction. It's good to be with you all again. I want to share with you a reading from the Hebrew scriptures, and this is Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. The prophet Jeremiah writes, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors, when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Here ends the reading. I bring you greetings from Lexington Theological Seminary from our president, Charisse Gillette, and our Dean, Reverend Dr. Lloyd Martell, and from my colleagues and all of the students and staff there. It's good to be with you all again. 
and I'm honored to be able to speak with you today. Over the last year, I've found myself drawn to Mr. Rogers, the host of the eponymous children's television show that I used to watch as a child. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood ran from the 1960s until 2001. So as a young child in the 1970s, Mr. Rogers was part of my daily routine. I always felt that he was talking right to me when he looked in that camera. And you know what? He was. Fred Rogers believed that children are worthy of respect. And he strove to create a relationship with his young viewers through that television screen. From the moment he walked in the door and put on his red cardigan and changed into his sneakers, we, we knew we were in the presence of someone who cared for us. Mr. Rogers took us on field trips to learn how things were made. His trolley took us to the land of make-believe with his puppets Daniel Tiger and King Friday, Elaine, Lady Elaine Fairchild, and X the Owl. And he had so many neighbors who would visit him and he would take us along to visit. But there was always a moment of bittersweet sadness at the end of each half hour episode. I would feel a bit crestfallen when the sneakers came off and the cardigan was returned to the closet. Fridays were the worst because I knew I'd have to wait two whole days before I could go back to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. But he always assured us, I'll be back when the day is new, and I'll have more ideas for you, and you'll have things you'll want to talk about. I will too. In the last four years, there has been a resurgence of interest in the work of Mr. Rogers. However, I have to admit, I initially held back. When the documentary Won't You Be My Neighbor was released in 2018 and the film A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood came out last year, I resisted watching them. I wasn't sure why at first. I think it's because I've witnessed the rhetoric in our country become so vitriolic so hateful, then I've been embarrassed to imagine what Mr. Rogers must think of us now. But more than that, whenever a clip from his show or a quote from him would cross my Twitter feed or my Facebook feed in these last four years, I would just feel immensely sad. How could we have come so far from the basic decency and compassion that we learned as children from Mr. Rogers? Surely, some of the people who thought up the idea to tear children away from their parents at the border must have watched Mr. Rogers at some point in their lives. Certainly, the terrorists dressed in fatigues marching through our cities with guns must have seen an episode of Mr. Rogers teaching us what to do with the mad that we feel. 
but we have strayed so far from civilized norms that we've descended into a bizarro world of lies, gaslighting, mockery, threats, and violence. Frankly, I didn't have the heart to revisit Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. To me, it felt like we've been in a kind of exile, similar to the Israelite people to whom Jeremiah writes in the ancient scripture that I read a little bit ago. His words were addressed to a people who were so far from home and losing their hope. The covenant between God and Israel was made so long ago at Sinai and was so broken that there seemed that there was nothing left to salvage. And yet, Jeremiah proclaimed that all is not lost, despite all evidence to the contrary. He assured them that God was making a new covenant with them, one that would be written on their hearts. In fact, this renewal of community and equity and decency would be so natural for them, they wouldn't even have to teach it to each other. Integrity would just come naturally. Caring for the vulnerable, honoring their neighbors, protecting the weak, and finding peaceful ways to resolve conflict would be woven into the very fabric of their society. It would just be second nature, like putting on a red cardigan and tying on your comfortable pair of sneakers. Now, the message from Jeremiah did not come when things were going well. It came in a period of pain, suffering, loss, and collective depression. But it came like the riffs of a playful jazz piano into the living room of a child whose world is marked with conflict, overwhelming emotions, and adults who just don't seem to understand. It came like a gentle man singing, you are special. About a year ago, my hesitation to go back to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood shifted. I came across a podcast called Finding Fred. The description said this, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was not a simple show, and Fred Rogers was not a simple man. He was radical, spiritual, revolutionary, maybe even subversive. The host, Carvel Wallace, put together a 10-part series about the life, thinking, and work of Fred Rogers and asks what the cardigan-wearing host of a decades-old television show for children can tell us about how to get by in today's chaotic world. I thought, whew, I need some ideas about how to get by in today's chaotic world. But Fred Rogers? Subversive? Subversive means wanting to undermine the system. Why would they describe Mr. Rogers as subversive? By the second podcast, I realized why they use this term. 
1969 episode, Mr. Rogers invited Officer Clemens, a black man, to take off his shoes and dip his feet into the kiddie pool on a hot summer day. This was at a time when the color barrier at public swimming pools was firmly in place. So to see these two men, black and white, sharing water and a towel was indeed subversive. It subverted the racist system in the most unassuming and natural way. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. In fact, Mr. Rogers' entire mission was about subverting the harsh, oppressive domination system that had tortured him as a child, bullied because of his weight and teased for his shyness. Fred Rogers experienced the rage and humiliation that nearly everyone experiences at some time in their life. But he discovered ways to channel that energy into creativity. He made puppets. He learned to play the piano and write songs. And he structured his days with spiritual disciplines such as prayer, reading scripture, and swimming laps. Fred Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian minister, but never mentioned religion or God in his programs. He didn't need to. The love he believed in was fully embodied in every episode. It was as natural as feeding the fish and looking into a child's eyes to say what he said to every viewer at the end of the episode. You always make each day special. You know how, by just being yourself. There's only one person in the world that's like you, and that's you. And people can like you just the way you are. A few weeks ago, my colleague, Reverend Stephen Fearing, interviewed the journalist portrayed in the film, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. In the movie, Tom Hanks plays Fred Rogers, who befriends a jaded journalist mired in cynicism and hard-heartedness. It's based on the true story of Tom Junod, who was assigned to write a feature about Fred Rogers and whose life was transformed by their friendship. As Stephen and Tom were lamenting our current state of politics and societal upheaval, they noted that Fred Rogers' legacy is still with us. Stephen said, Fred Rogers still haunts us. I don't mean that in a creepy way, he said. I mean, his ghost still lingers. That really struck me, especially as we're heading into Halloween. Halloween is the season of hauntings where demons and ghouls decorate our yards and lurk in our imaginations. But in the last four years, the demonic has found purchase in our systems and powerful echelons of our society at an unprecedented level. 
So now we are haunted by goodness. We are haunted by the goodness of Fred Rogers. Years after his death, Fred Rogers keeps coming back to us firmly, gently, yet persistently. He keeps reminding us that there is a power that is greater than a destructive ego, more effective than violence, and longer lasting than hate. It is the power of generosity, curiosity, creativity, joy acceptance, and peace. We are haunted by goodness, reminding us that being kind and accepting people is the way that leads to healing and wholeness. Even when people try to use Fred Rogers as an insult, it backfires on them. After the town hall of the last two presidential candidates this past week, a critic tweeted that one candidate's forum was like watching an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. As if that's a bad thing. The ensuing responses to the intended snipe indicated that the yearning for goodness has not gone away. Fred Rogers will not let us go. Just like Jeremiah proclaimed to the people of Israel that God's love will not let us go. Last night, my family and I finally watched the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And I'll admit, it did make me cry, just like I thought it would. I wept for what we lost. I wept because it brings into sharp relief how much meanness, bullying, abuse, and hatred have overtaken our world. But I also wept with gratitude that someone cared enough about children to want to make a difference in their lives and to write on their hearts that law of love. I'm grateful that those 900 plus episodes contain 30 years of messages that our feelings are worth talking about. That even though the world is a scary place and terrible, awful things happen, caring happens too. We are still haunted by the goodness that will not let us go. Goodness will find a way, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. That love will not let us go. Amen.